This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Start this conversation because I can tell you, it, it gets richer and richer as they get older. Not that it gets easier and easier, it ebbs and flows in terms of that, but the, the conversation gets richer as they start to figure out, ah, the things that they can do with money and they start to realize, oh, I can, I can be in charge of money, whereas money is not in control of me. And they, they move towards this kind of goal of money empowerment. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're talking about raising money smart kids. This one is for all you young parents out there. We can work on our personal financial situation all we want, but if our kids aren't equipped for the real world, how are we going to strengthen our family tree for generations to come? That's what this show is all about. We want thriving families, not surviving families. To support us in our family tree strengthening, I've invited John Lanza on the show today. John is the author of The Art of Allowance, a short practical guide to raising money smart, money empowered kids. John is a true pioneer in youth money smarts. He created the original Money Mammals DVD and has written three children's books to help kids learn to share save and spend smart. He's nationally recognized as a youth financial literacy expert, and the Money Mammals has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the LA Times. When John's not teaching financial literacy nationwide, he's raising his two daughters and enjoying time with his equally money smart wife. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Andy. It's uh, great to be on. I I should say that she's my uh, more money smart wife. I should change that. (laughs) Good answer. Good answer, my friend. That's good. So, John, why do you think it's important to talk to our kids about money early on in their lives? Well, the main reason is that the conversation is going to start happening with them. And if if you are not the one as the parent, then that conversation is going to be had from friends. It's going to come in from kind of the media that's out there, uh, could be some teachers, but you, you don't know where those messages are going to come, but they're going to learn about money from someone. So it makes sense for you to start that conversation with them to try to instill your money values in your kids. And that starts pretty early. Yeah. How, how early does it start, John? What, what's, uh, what's a good age for these types of conversations? Yeah, it's going to be different for different parents, but it's really once the kids kind of have a recognition of money. So that's going to be anywhere in, say, the two to five-year-old range, probably on the earlier end, Mm -hmm. where they start to recognize coins themselves. They see you making purchases at the store. And we're not talking about anything complex here. We're just talking about simple conversations, just talking about, you know, whatever kind of transaction you're going through, obviously identifying the coins. But once the conversation starts, you want to kind of begin to open up the conversation. And as they get older, that conversation will get more detailed and more interesting. How early did you start with your kids? I'd say we probably started around two. It's, uh, you know, a funny story with my, uh, oldest daughter, I think she was somewhere between two and three. And we had instituted 
this idea that for every present that she gets, she has to give away a present. And so we would take the presents, we would take her uh, old toys to charity or to Goodwill. We called it charity. And one time when I'm driving up to Goodwill with her, I said, oh, we're bringing these up to charity. She looks at me and in the mirror, rear view mirror. And she says, uh, I want to play with charity. I said, what, what are you, what are you talking about? She's like, well, charity has all my toys. <laughs> I said, okay, maybe we're getting a little carried away with this, but you know, it, the, the money, but that is that, that giveaway, that's part of the money conversation. So when I say like a money conversation, we're not necessarily talking as specifically about pennies and dimes and nickels. We're really talking about the purchasing and the stuff that money buys, all those things are part of the money conversation. So they really do start pretty early. Yeah, that's that's good. That's that's a good thing to do and to have those. I, I like that. Uh, Charity does sound like she's got it all right. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Very cool. Well, let's let's talk about where that money comes from then for these two to five year olds or or even older at that point. Um, so what what are your thoughts about uh, chores and 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 um, uh, for kids to actually earn this money. Yeah. Well, I mean, the place where they're going to get their money, as you might surmise, uh, based on the, the book, uh, that I, that I wrote is, is I'm, I'm an advocate for allowance and I'm not an advocate for tying chores to allowance. And that's because an allowance really serves its own purpose. And it's the, the purpose of an allowance. The why behind it is that you're trying to teach kids to become money smart. You're just trying to educate them on how to use money, how to use it properly, how to make choices. You know, our three kind of core money smart skills are uh, making smart money choices, uh, sharing, uh, excuse me, and uh, uh, distinguishing between needs and wants, and then also saving for goals. And so that's what the allowance is helping them to learn because they get their own money with that. Um, chores kind of teach a different lesson, which is an equally good lesson, but it's a different lesson. And that is that you have to work to make money. And so it's good to decouple those things because, you know, you're going to have your natural chores that you're going to require your kids to do. So that's, uh, you know, whatever it might be, it's different for different families, you know, clean your room, uh, empty the dishwasher, whatever it might be. Those things, the thing about paying your kids for those chores is that at some point they could potentially opt out if they don't need the money. But the reality is they can't opt out because that's what they do to be able to live in your house, right? That's just being a part of the family. So it's good to decouple those things. And if you want to use chores for what they can teach, which is that you have to work for money, there are other chores they can do. So stuff that you might pay other people for, washing the cars, you know, mowing the lawn, whatever those might be. Um, that's how they can learn that lesson through those kind of chores. So you're really distinguishing between the activities that you would do as a child in the house that are supportive for the everyday functioning of your home versus, you know, above and beyond chores, the, the washing of the car, the vacuuming of the car, the evidently my, evidently my, my car's dirty. That's the only thing I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what I you're talking you about. <laughs> When you have kids, your car is always dirty. Right. That is just how it is. So, so that's um, how you're talking about separating them, though. Yeah, that is. And I, and I think, you know, the thing that people get hung up on with the allowance is that they feel like uh, the term itself is kind of weighty because they don't want it to be a giveaway. And it's only a giveaway if you aren't explicit about its purpose with the kids. And that what that purpose is that you're there, it's there to help them learn 
about money, to help teach them to learn those money smart skills and to get comfortable with money because there's no way they're going to get comfortable with money unless they actually have their own money to use. And so it's not a giveaway. It is a learning tool. Hmm. So how do I convince my kids to do their chores if there's no financial <laughs> incentive? How does that work? <laughs> That's, that, is the, uh, that is the question. So you know, I do not have the uh, the the exact answer to this. It's going to be different for everybody, and that's the it's really the case with any of this stuff. It's different from family to family. But I can tell you, for us, there are plenty of other things that the kids uh, that you can use uh, to get your kids to do that. So whether it's you know taking away some device time, or whether it is uh, that they you know they don't get dessert. I mean, it's going to be different for for in our case, for example, if our kids they have to hit a certain level of having done their chores, so a certain percentage of chores done over the course of a week. And if they don't do that, then they can't go out with their friends on the weekend or they may lose a device. Um, and those things are powerful and those are effective ways of doing it. There are some people that won't agree with that. They want their kids to be you know, this, this idea of kids to be kids and you just have to figure out another way of going about it. Cause I'm not saying that our way is the answer, but I think there are ways of getting your kids. That's, that's just, that's our method of getting our kids to, to do our chores. And that is not to say that it is not a battle. We have a 15 year old and a 13 year old mm -hmm. and it is not easy. It is a week to week, day to day <laughs> struggle to get them to do chores. So none of this is uh, a panacea that's going to, going to lead you to this kind of perfectly uh, wonderful utopian household. But it's, uh, it's one way that we, that we, that we work to get those chores done. But I do think it's really important that you separate out the allowance just because the allowance is super important to help them learn to get comfortable and, and become money smart and eventually hopefully become money empowered. Okay. Well, I'm thinking the psychology of the, the child, right? So yeah. for some children, money might money would equal freedom, right? I get, I get the choice. I get to, you know, I get to make some decisions. Um, and that's why it's okay for it to tie to the chores. And then for other, for the other case, the, the freedom aspect for some other kids might be like, well, my social media access is my freedom. My video games is my freedom. My whatever playing <laughs> with my buddies is my freedom. So it's kind of like, what is this incentive? What is this thing that they want? And then how can we convince them to do their chores through that route? So it's either taking something away or giving them something. So I guess it's, it's in my mind, it seems one and the same, but I understand where you're coming from. Well, the reason that I, it's not one of the same, at least, and I, I, I have to think about that a little bit, but is that the allowance really does serve its own purpose, you know? So, uh, the, I mean, the difficult part is I don't love the fact that we have to take away things to get them to do their chores. You know, I wish that we could get them to the point and, and, you know, different kids are different. So, you know, one of our kids, it's much easier to get her to do her chores than it is the other one. Um, but they also have, you know, different money personalities too. And, but the, I think it's just the recognition that allowance does serve a purpose um, by itself. I know, you know, like, for example, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey talks about these commissions. That's his thing, which, you know, I think is a little bit of a semantic game that he's playing <laughs> with this idea. Right. Right. And, and and his whole thing is that they have to work for their money. I get that that's important for kids to understand that they have to work in order to make money. But 
you can, but it's a different lesson and, and giving the kids an allowance is a different lesson. And you can teach those two lessons in different ways. You don't have to tie those two, two together. And in fact, I think it's problematic to tie them together. The other, because like I said before, someone's going to have to, at some point they can opt They could theoretically opt out, but you're not going to let them opt out. So you're presenting them with a false choice by paying them for those chores that they have to do, whether they're getting paid or not. So that's one. So and then the other thing with uh, with regard to the chores and allowance is that when you decouple them, see, here's the thing. We all know that when we're talking to our kids, we're getting our kids to do chores, there's going to be kind of conflict, right? And one of the things that, I'm tr- that I advocate for is we just want less kind of negativity or conflict around money. If, and a good side benefit, again, this is not the reason that you decouple them, but a side benefit of decoupling chores and allowance is that you now have less conflict around money. Because if you're paying your kids for the chores and they don't do them and you're taking money away, now money becomes punitive. Hmm. And that, again, that's not the reason to decouple them, but it's a, it's actually a really positive side benefit because one of the things we're trying to do here is just have an open conversation with our kids as much as possible so that they come to us when they have money questions hmm. and we can talk to them about the choices that we're making, the choices that they're making. And that's an ongoing dialogue that continues. And I think that when I, I just think about a lot of the kind of conflict that we have around chores, and I'm glad that we have not put those two together because I just know that, you know, especially when they become 13 and 15, they tend to go off in a huff yeah. uh, a lot of times. And if you have that going off in a huff tied to money, now you have this kind of weightiness that is hanging over the money conversation. And uh, that's something we're trying to get rid of as much as possible. Okay. Yeah, I liken it to the the timeout. We used to do the timeout when for yeah. our first daughter. And we had read some books and also just from our own personal experience that, yeah, it might work for a little while. But eventually, they're going to be too big for you to plop them in time out. And they're just going to say, no, dude, like, I'm not. I, so I don't know. You and I are kind of on the same page here um, yeah, I think so. with uh, with trial and error, doing what's right for your family and figuring out what works best. So let's talk yeah. about some of those lessons that you learn from getting that allowance and how that will make your kids money smart. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So the the core money smart skills. Uh, well, let me let me explain just basically like the the simple allowance mm-hmm. because I think that'll be a good lead in. So once they turn five, so once they turn five, you can start up an allowance, and the the kind of basic rule is five dollars or a dollar per week per age of the child. So a five year old would get five dollars per week. A six year old would get six dollars per week. So let's start with the five five year old. They're gonna. We're gonna set up three jars, and this is the reason we set up the three jars is we want to get them used to making choices, so that they understand every time they get money, they're making a choice. Whether whether they are actively making that choice or passively making that choice, they're making a choice. So we have three jars. We have the share jar, which is for charitable giving. The save jar, which is for kind of paying yourself first and for long 
longer term items. And they have the spend jar, but we call it the spend smart jar. So we encourage their mindfulness when it's when when they are spending their money. So the five dollars, the way we did this is that for five bucks, they would take one dollar and we would kind of opt them into saving one of those dollars. So that's kind of like nudging them, if you know that term. And that is kind of teaching them to pay themselves first. Then we have the share jar, which is charitable giving. One dollar has to go there. So we are requiring them to do those things because we think those things, paying themselves first and giving to charity, are good. So we're going to do that. And then they have $3 and they can put those anywhere. So they can put them in the spend, share, or save, right? So those discretionary dollars, that control is really where the rubber meets the road because that is now giving them some autonomy. Now, that's difficult as a parent because now they could spend that money on stuff that you may not necessarily agree with. And that's tough. Now, there are certain family rules. So if they decide they want to buy, you know, uh, nightmare, nightmare on Elm Street at five years old. You're gonna be like, yeah, no, that's not that's not gonna happen. But if it's some kind of toy that you just don't like or you think is a is a is not something that is a great purchase, you kind of have to let them make their choices and then use those as points of reference for later conversations when they're making it other purchases. But the idea is that they're making mistakes theoretically, in a low-stakes environment. And then the first thing you want to do to teach them about saving for goals is as soon as they start getting money, they're going to find something that they want. Most kids are going to find something that they want that they can't afford in, you know, with the spend money they're getting. And so now you set up a goal and you want to set up a SMART goal. If you know that term, it's an acronym, which means a specific, measurable, um, uh, attainable relevant and time-based goal. So that means you take the goal, you paste it, you paste a picture of it right on your jar so that at allowance time, you can point to it and say, okay, so that's those $3 now that you have control over, maybe put them into the save jar so you can get closer to buying the scooter faster than you might have done before. And I'll just quickly break down the smart. That's So the specific is what the, what the actual goal is. The measurable is how long it's going to take. The attainable is you don't want something for a five-year-old that's going to take them three months because that's too long a time. And then relevant, it's going to be something they want. And then time-based, again, is tied to how long it's going to take. So, so that's kind of the allowance. And now with that saving, immediately you're teaching them a hugely important life skill, which is how to achieve a goal and they're learning about delayed gratification. And those are things that are lifelong, super important lessons right out of the gate. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs 
Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for considering our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into our show. Well, you, you talked about the things that they that they want, and you know we all we all want things in life, right? So, <laughs> how do, how, you, you talked about one of your core lessons is distinguishing between needs and wants. How can young parents do that for their children? Yeah, that can start off right in the store. So, you know, as you're going through, this is this is the case with a lot of our money choices. The kids aren't going to see those choices. So you kind of want to like have your inner monologue on the outside to say, well, we don't need that. We don't want that because the stuff that you're processing in your head, it's good to have those conversations so your kids see what you're thinking about. And then you can talk to them about, you know, whether, you know, the chocolate milk might be a want, whereas, you know, milk might be a need or whatever it might be, you can kind of walk through what these thing these things are. So you need something for breakfast, but you don't necessarily need lucky charms for breakfast, right? <laughs> um, so there's, those, there's opportunities for these conversations throughout, you know, any trip to the store. And I've heard it described as, uh, this is this is a guy named Sam Rennick that I know, uh, who I just interviewed on my podcast. And he said, he has this idea that you really can use the store store as a school and you're you're going to take your kids to the store why not use it as this kind of place where you can teach these lessons and that's a great place to start those lessons is at school as at the at the school at the store <laughs> and and needs versus wants is something that naturally comes up as part of that and so you want to the other thing is and then so a lot of times it's really kind of giving voice to the decisions that you are making all the time so that your kids understand what your decision process is. Because the more they can actually see what you're doing, the more that they're going to understand that you're putting some thought into the purchases that you're making, um, whether they be short-term or long-term. So it's not only just modeling, but it's modeling verbally out loud. Yes, yes, that's it. Yes, well put. Okay, cool. All right, so sharing, giving, whatever we want to call it, giving to charities. Um, this could be tough for kids. It could be tough for, tough for adults. It's tough for me, I'll say. You <laughs> yeah. know, I, I work really hard for my money, and um, yes, I do feel a calling to give, but 
there's a there's something inside me that says, hey, I worked hard for that. Why are you giving it away? How, <laughs> how can parents encourage a spirit of giving for their kids? Well, I, the best way to do it in the beginning is that you just have to monitor that, you know, monitor the jar, the share jar, uh, because kids forget about it. I mean, you have your whatever it is, one in 20 kids that, you know, is just a natural giver. That's all they're thinking about is they want to give their money away. We have I've talked to parents and you know, you'll have kids who are just they, they want to give their lunch money away. They want to give their money away to whatever charity it might be. But for most kids, that's not the case. And the way to do it is that as they accumulate that money in that share jar every week, once you notice that's at $10 or $15, you can say, you know, maybe we should to look at some way we can give that, uh, give that back. And, you know, if you go to a religious institution, that's an obvious place you can do it. Um, you can look for, uh, places to give at schools. Very often they'll have kind of relief drives at schools for whatever's happening in the world, um, or even locally. And so it's just, as a parent, that's a great thing to be monitoring during your weekly allowance is just look at that share jar and then give them some ideas about how they can do it. Um, you can even do something on line with a kid and just, and, 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 and just sit down with them. So for example, like we did donors choose, which is a terrific site that allows you to contribute to individual teachers classrooms. And so that can be a nice thing. And you can do that with your, with your child and sit down with them and they can pick what project might work. So there's lots of different ways you can do it, um, uh, for kids, but it is something as a parent, you do have to be reminding them of. That's very interesting statistic you said of one in 20, like you feel like one in 20, I mean, uh, that uh, are are not, you know, I guess uh, in in their nature to give. Well, why why do you think that is? (laughs) <laughs> that is not a scientific, uh, scientifically, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, even, even if it's not number. scientific, uh, just your, your I know experience, you you've yes, been into yes. it. I, I would agree with you. I, I just wonder yeah. why that's the case. You know, that's a great, it is a great question. I don't know why that is. And, uh, because, and, and out of our two kids, neither of them has the, this like calling to give, but I, you know, I interviewed this mom who has been working with our program and she has a kid who just, he is obsessed with giving back to animal charities mm. and that's just his thing. And what's interesting is like, I have a daughter who you know loves animals too, but her focus isn't on animal charities. Whereas his focus is not only on just loving animals, but is kind of giving back and, and doing better for them. It's a great question. I, I don't really know the answer to it. I've yeah. thought about it, but I have not figured it out. Do you think that it's a learned behavior um, that, that once that as you're doing this with your daughters and they grow up and then they turn 22 and then, Hey, dad's not in the picture anymore to help me decide my, my money situations. Do you think at that point they're just going to say, well, this is something I've always done. That's part of my nature. Is that, is that your goal? Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a combination of nature and nurture. Uh, you notice this with any kind of money behaviors because I, I'm a natural, I'm more of a natural spender. My wife is more of a natural saver. We have two kids. One's more of a natural spender. One's more of a natural saver. And, uh, and it's not just that, those, there are different kind of options. And some kids are more kind of inclined to be givers and some are not. I think the, the, the purpose behind setting up the allowance where you're always having them put money into that share is to get them thinking about it. So yes, when they become adults, they will be thinking that, okay, well, the money that's coming in, I, I, I do, I am making, I, I know I need to make choices about this. And 
that's, that's, that's really what we're trying to do is get in their heads that they're always making choices. And when they're making those choices, that those choices should include paying themselves first or the save jar or charitable giving and the share jar. So that's, that's what we want to see with those kids. I mean, for the kids who are natural sharers, you know, and, and to, to some extent, natural savers, it's not as uh, that's something that they're going to naturally do. But for the majority of kids that are not that way, then these kind of behaviors you want to that you want you want to kind of focus on the the nature side of things and help them in the long term. Yeah, just like brushing the teeth, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, these are just habits, right? That's it. We're trying to develop habits. So okay, so we talked about when they're young. Uh, you said five years old. We give them five bucks, right? So um, you you does, does that carry on throughout their elementary age? How, how does the pay work as they get older? Sure. So through elementary school, uh, through about nine or 10 years old, they're going to get that kind of dollar per week per age of the, of the child. Then you can move them up to what, what we call the breakthrough allowance. And that's where they get a lot more responsibility. They're going to get a larger allowance and they're going to get it now periodically, not weekly, but in kind of larger kind of sums. So they have to kind of manage it over the course of a month. So for example, uh, one of our daughters gets a hundred dollars a month. Now that sounds like a lot of money to people who haven't put something in place, but let me explain what her responsibilities are. Now she has to now buy all her own clothes. She has to buy her own food aside from you know, the food that we have here for dinner and breakfast. But if she wants to have lunch at school, she has to pay for that. If she wants to go out with friends and have a coffee or, well, they don't really drink coffee, but you know, some, <laughs> some kind of, you know, drink with friends or some kind of food out on the on the our local uh, boulevard. She will uh, she has to pay for that. So whenever they go out, and they are also responsible for their uh, gifts, uh, all gifts for their friends, and for the uh, phone uh, that they've they've got. So communication. So when you start looking at it, that's really not a lot of money. And if you actually calculate the money you'd be giving out if you weren't doing an allowance, you're almost definitely going to be paying more for all those things because now it's their money. They put a lot more thought into each of those things, whether it's buying clothes, whether it's buying food out, whether it is uh, deciding if they're going to make something for their friends or you know buy something for their friends. Now the decisions become much more practical and I think they they make they tend to make smarter decisions um, when it's their own money. So that's how that works. And then they also get the money on a monthly basis. So they have to manage it, and that's tough. It's really tough at first because they're used to getting this weekly money, and now they get this large amount in the beginning of the month. And you know what? And naturally, what happens is they tend to blow it in the beginning of the month when they first start out, and then they start to learn how to deal with that cash, which is kind of akin to what it'll be like when they go out into the working world. This is a really unique idea, and I like it a lot. So how early did you start with your daughters with this? So yeah, we started with uh, 10, let's see, she was, our older daughter was 11 or 12, and then the younger one, we started her at 10. The younger one, we can usually start earlier because she's seen the other one kind of start go into the process. So it's just, it was just a naturally easy thing to do. So anywhere between say 10 and 13 is a good time to start. I would start on the earlier side because they can certainly deal with the responsibility at age 10 of those kind of things, those clothes and communication and all of that. And uh, I think really the 
most important uh, part of it is just that they have their own money and they're just they're just much more mindful about their own money than they would be about your money. Yeah, that's incredible. So when when they started, surely there were some failures. Surely there were some mistakes. So what what happened, John? <laughs> I mean, when they started, when I mean, exactly? I mean, yeah, how did it yeah. all go down? As opposed to this week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, yeah, I mean, not... as you were saying, like, I mean, not if they mess up, that's actually great, right? Because right. then that's a learning right. moment. So I was just wondering if there was any anecdotes or, or memories yeah. that you've had so far. Yeah, there. I mean, there are mess ups all the time. And that's, I mean, I think what's one of my favorite stories with my kids is, is really this kind of on the path to money empowerment. And I, I talk about this in the book, but it's, uh, I think your audience will appreciate this. My, uh, my older daughter had saved for a GoPro camera with her. Uh, so this, the, the camera is about 160 bucks. So it took a little while to save for it. She bought it. And then my wife, my, and my two daughters went to the beach and my wife texts me from the beach and she says, um, yeah, it's gone. Mm. And I said, what? She says, the GoPro camera, it's gone. I said, you have to be kidding me. And she said, it gets worse. I said, how? Well, her little sister dropped it in the ocean. And, oh, no. you know, you're like, that is not good. But amazingly, the little sister, partially out of self-preservation, had enough money, she is the more natural saver, and decided she, within a few days, decided she was going to pay for that, that, uh, the new GoPro because she had kind of made the mistake. I mean, it was an easy mistake to make, but we thought, I felt that that was a real big step for her in terms of money empowerment because she had control over the money. She decided the money was less important than atoning for the mistake. And again, part of that is being the younger sister. <laughs> and so it is out of self-preservation. But she she ponied up the money. Um, we, of course, actually ponied up for the little GoPro attachment that keeps it from sinking to the bottom of the Pacific. And uh, <laughs> good investment, <laughs> that, we <didn't>, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that we didn't know about before. But, you know, so those kind of things, I think out of these little mistakes come these really you know, you know, revelatory moments for kids and for parents when you see that happening. But, you know, spending decisions happen all the time that are, that are questionable. You know, we were on a vacation and my daughter wanted to buy a, a sweater that was, I think about 30 bucks. And she had already run through all of her money. She's like at $35 on her. She, now they have digital, uh, they have digital buckets. And so she had her debit card and she was going to pay for it. I said, I don't think that's the best choice because we're only about halfway through this trip and you're already through most of your money, but she didn't listen to me. And I did stay true to my word. I, 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 you know, that's, that's part of the lesson. You know, you have to end up without the money and she didn't. And you know, that's, she is still wearing that sweater, but I still don't think it was the best decision. And that's all right because it was her decision to make. And she had to kind of live with the fact that she couldn't use any more money on at other places to get other uh, materials. But she wasn't asking me for that money because she knew that wasn't going to be forthcoming. That's good. Those are the real lessons. Yeah. Those are the. Real, she's she's going to remember that moment with her sister for the rest of her life. And then oh. when she thinks about it, she'll think, "Hey, you know what? 
my sister uh my sister ponied up and uh she was she was uh she kept her word that that's cool those are good memories <laughs> as, as opposed to the moment right then when it happened i'm sure <laughs> oh i the i was just so glad that i wasn't at the beach there oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah my poor wife oh that was just it you know i i'm i'm, I'm kind of glossing over the uh the amount of, of drama, um, I'm sure. Yes, the amount of drama that was there. <laughs> <laughs> My mom always likes to say, if it's funny later, it's funny now. That's what she <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. I like that. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's say that there is a young parent listening to us banter back and forth about this, and they've got young kids and they're saying, hey, how do I get, how do I get started on this process? Where, where's the best place for them to start? Yeah, the best place is to really just get an allowance started knowing in your head that and being explicit about it that you're going to do this to teach your kids about money, get those three jars set up and three clear jars is good because it's kind of a metaphor for what we're trying to do with our kids is have this kind of open conversation. So three clear jars, use those. I mean, if you want to use envelopes, you can use those. I just like those clear jars, get them labeled and then get them saving for a goal and be explicit throughout the process, you know, despite the eye rolls that they're going to give you to say, I, we're doing this to teach you to become money smart and talk about those money smart skills. It's really easy to get going. And I think the reason you want to get going is that you want to make sure that you start this conversation because I can tell you, it, it gets richer and richer as they get older. Not that it gets easier and easier. It ebbs and flows in terms of that. But the, the conversation gets richer as they start to figure out, ah, the things that they can do with money. And they start to realize, oh, I can, I can be in charge of money, whereas money is not in control of me. And they, they move towards this kind of goal of money empowerment. That's great. Okay. And there's yeah. also a parent listening that's got teenagers and they don't know much about money because they, they haven't been taught about it. Uh, where, what, where's the best place for them to start on, on yeah. this program? That's a, it's a good question. I start small. So with that breakthrough allowance, you know, start by having them, you know, giving them an allowance. So you have a negotiation with them about how much they've spent monthly on clothes and then come up with a number and say, that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to give you. So whatever that might be. Um, and, and we, we actually have on our site in our resources section, there's a Google sheet with exactly what we use to create this allow this breakthrough allowance for our kids. So you can use that and just do the close section and start small. And then pretty quickly, once they get that responsibility, they'll probably want other responsibilities. And then you can add in the food, the food side of things, the gift side of things. So just start small, but do get started with them. Excellent. Excellent. John, this is, uh, this has been a great conversation. I really enjoy connecting with uh, parents like yourself that, um, that have made some major progress in helping their children figure out how to be money smart. So I really appreciate your time today. Where where can people find your book and follow you? Well, Andy, I appreciate you having me on and having these conversations because I think the more conversations we all have, the better off we're all going to be. So this has been great. And the easiest place is to just go to theartofallowance.com. You can get our social handles there. You can go to the resources tab and get our free resources like the Breakthrough Allowance spreadsheet that I was talking about. But that's the that's the easiest way to find us. Excellent. And for you podcast listeners out there, he's got a podcast called Art of Allowance. So add that into your queue. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time today. This was a blast. Sure. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. 
John and his wife have made a plan for their girls, and they are setting them off on a path to financial success. That's so cool. Conversations like this one help me get a different perspective as well. Very, very motivating. Thanks, John. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with John Lanza. Number one, start money conversations early. The earlier you start, the more prepared your kids will be. Openly communicate with them about purchases in the store or talk to them about decisions you and your spouse have to make about money on a daily basis. Your money smart modeling and communication will help prepare them as they get older for the much bigger financial decisions. Number two, a dollar per age per week. However old your kid is, match that age with a dollar amount. I really like this. This is something that we've started to do in our house because of this interview with John. Um, And it's just made things a little bit easier for me. (laughs) I was given, before this, I was giving Zoe five bucks for four chores and she was six years old. I, I was just getting too confused and she was getting too confused. So now she's six and she gets six bucks and we just do three chores per week. So it just kind of keeps it easy. Six for six. And then same thing for Calvin. He's four. He gets four. So for her six bucks, that is $2 for save, $1 for give, and then $3 for spend. Makes it easy. And then for Calvin, he's four years old. He gets the four bucks, $1 for save, $1 for give, and $2 for spend. So easy peasy. (laughs) Number three. Use a breakthrough allowance with preteens and teens. Now, this idea is something I have never heard before, and I like it a lot. By giving your kids a much bigger amount of money and more responsibility, they are really going to learn how money works and fast. And you heard John, it's okay if they make mistakes. It's actually a good thing. That way they are learning because much better to do it when you're... 13 as opposed to 33, right? (laughs) And if you're worried about your kid carrying around too much cash, because he said like a hundred bucks a month, I mean, that seems like a lot of cash to carry around. So I've had the opportunity to interview the founder of FamZoo, Bill Dwight, and that is a great solution so kids are not carrying around cash. So check out FamZoo. You get a one-month free trial, and you can also support the show by going to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FamZoo. That's F-A-M-Z-O-O. So marriagekidsandmoney.com slash FamZoo. And again, if you use that link, you'll be supporting the show, and you get a cool way to teach your preteens and teens about money. It's essentially a debit card system instead of cash. So check it out. So those were my top three takeaways for this week. Number one, start money conversations early. Number two, a dollar per age per week. And number three, use a breakthrough allowance for preteens and teens. These lessons will help your kids to grow up to be money smart and your family tree will continue to grow strong, my friends. time to announce the money masters of the week yeah that's right we have two this week melody from michigan called in to share the results of her 2018 goals the floor is yours melody hi i'm melody johnson and i wanted to tell you about my 2018 goals i actually paid off all of my student loans along with my husband's refinance car loan for a total of seventy-two thousand dollars. i also started graduate school and a new job Plus, I started my blog and started freelancing, blogging, and doing freelance instructional design. 
I'm really excited about 2019. Uh, my last comment is that I also started an international adoption to the Philippines, which my husband and I are very excited about, and started contributing to a brokerage account. And our goal is to eventually become financially independent within 10 to 15 years. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day. What a year, Melody. You should be totally, totally proud of that success. Debt elimination, new job, new adoption. I got to hear more about that, Melody. <laughs> very, very cool. If you want to hear more from Melody, check her out at herdesignedlife.org. That's herdesignedlife.org. And for our second Money Master of the Week, we're going to hear from the blogger behind Groking Money. Take it away. Hey, Andy. Uh, 2018 has been a wonderful year for us, and it's been a turning point uh, in our life. The uh, goals that we set out were uh, learn how to handle money, become debt-free, max out our retirement accounts, three months of emergency fund, and start saving for our house down payment. We're very happy to announce that uh, we're well on our way to achieving all our goals. The results we did uh, achieve uh, where we finally had a first written budget. We educated ourselves about uh, index investing and in general, uh, good personal finance principles. We paid around $15,000 in car loans and a small remaining balance of $10,000 on a rental property. Uh, the property is worth $100,000 and we were able to finally pay it off in about 24 months. Woohoo! Maxed out our 401k and Roth IRA contributions. Uh, finally managed to save our three months of emergency fund. And we're also very happy that uh, we're well on our way to have a good juicy down payment for our house. Wow, your progress on these goals is huge. Way to go. Educating yourself, crushing debt, making plans, and skyrocketing your retirement savings. That is how it's done. If you want to learn more from this Money Smart blogger, check him out at grokingmoney.com. That's grokingmoney.com. Those are two Ks. So G-R-O-K-K-I-N-G money.com. Thank you both for sharing this incredible recap of your 2018 year and congratulations for being our Money Masters of the Week. Do you have a recent financial victory that you want to share on the show? You got to email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or leave me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. I would love to hear from you. It is so fun to hear the voices too. So thank you very much for both of you for chiming in today. And uh, yeah, send in those voicemails, everybody. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 115, session 115. This has been another great year, my friends. For those of you who've been uh, listening for quite a while, I've been at this for over two years now, thank you so much for tuning in and subscribing. I really, really appreciate it. Honestly, I just love this podcast and your support just fills me up so much with pride and happiness. It just makes me so happy to be a part of this, um, to be a part of the movement of family financial empowerment. I, I, I get notes, I get letters, I get emails. It's just great to hear that people are really resonating with this show. And thank you. Uh, it makes me happy. 
If you're not subscribed, please click on the subscribe button in your favorite podcast player so we can hang out every week. (laughs) Also, consider leaving a review for the show in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those are two quick ways to support this family empowering podcast. And Calvin is all about it too, right, buddy? You want to say something? Ooka. Ooka. (laughs) (laughs) Woka. Woka. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Do it again. Bye. Bye. Lepo. Lepo. Eyebrows. Eyebrows. (laughs) My talented son, everyone. (laughs) In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Seneca. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Let's make this new year the best year of our lives. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.